Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm Brandon Griffiths. This is Brandon at Random Reviews. I was trying to do a thing there, but it kind of didn't work as well as I wanted it to. So anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Today's episode is going to be about the Dark Knight Trilogy, um, a collection of three movies, as is typically the case with trilogies. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get into that a little bit later. I, I I got a few preliminary things that I just kind of want to talk about, discuss and, you know, see, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get some feedback from, from this stuff. You know, I, I never know. It's, it's pretty rare, but you know, it, it could happen. Um, so I want to start off by talking about something I've I've posted about this before on my uh, you know my blog I, I had a big long article about it uh, it's about the like the world of online dating and you know what it's like for people who aren't aware of what it's like and you know what what sucks about it because honestly there's not really that much that's great about it um, I just I don't know. I so I won't like obviously go into what all I went into in that article because that'd be redundant, but I I I have this problem where okay, so you know, uh, just a brief overview, you know, when on most most dating apps now, you you swipe, you know, you like see a person's profile you look at it, you see if it's if it's something that you're interested in, if, it, if it's someone you're interested in, I should say. And then you swipe right if you want to like that person. And you swipe left if you don't want to like that person. If you want to, you know, pass on that person, so to speak. Um, this, this is, like, this has taken over the online dating world. Like, it didn't used to be like this, you know... 10, 15 years ago, it used to be that you would just, like, search for, you know, somebody by age and area code and height and, you know, different things like that, and you would just go through and look at a bunch of different profiles, and you could just kind of approach people cold and just, you know, have no no other initiation other than that, you know, which... It had its pros and its pros and its cons, but it was, it worked. And now it's all the swiping business. So, what I find now, and you know, I've never been like, I've never had great success with dating. You know, I've never, never been that guy that's like, you know, had a girlfriend most of the time. Um, pretty much, you know, I, I've just been, you know, living the single life. But I've always been pursuing that non-single life, you know? Um, And, like, one thing I've noticed with the online dating thing is... So, like, I'll match with somebody, and, like, let's say, like, Facebook dating. So, like, Facebook dating is free, and a lot of people are freaked out by it, but, like, I don't really give a shit. I I just, you know, I want to try and meet people. You know, I want to find somebody. And so... I've been on this Facebook dating and it's been the same story as with every other app, especially recently. Um, So as the guy, I feel kind of compelled to break the ice and, you know, start the conversation. And so I'll ask, you know, I try and change it up. I don't like to just feel like I'm running the same game with every girl and, I'll ask her, you know, any anything from, you know, what does she have going on this weekend or what is she, how has her week been or like something like, you know, what are your three go-to songs when you have a karaoke night? And, you know, it's just, I try and, I try and think outside of the box and not like just say the most obvious questions and things like that. And what I'm finding more and more is everyone that I match with has, like, they'll, 
they'll read my message, they'll maybe answer the question in its, you know, fullest capacity, but, like, they they don't say anything back. Like, I, I get it, like, I... I'm the guy, you're the girl, you're supposed to, you know, the girls like to talk about themselves, blah, blah, blah. But it it gets to a point where they are literally never asking me a question. And, like, I'm asking them, you know, everything under the sun, and I'm trying to think of stuff to ask them. And it's like, I try and, like, slip in, like, hey, you know, like, you know, I say that this is my answer to that question or whatever, you know, just to kind of throw it out there and... and make it a little more obvious, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just try and make it a little easier on them. But like, so they don't have any, it's like they don't have any conversation skills. And I am a person who is legitimately horrible at conversation. Like I have no good conversation skills. If I'm stuck, if, if I'm riding in a vehicle with somebody that I don't know very well and they're, you know, they're just sitting there, like, I, if, if they trail off, and I trail off, like, I could just sit there forever and not say another word, because I'm that bad at, at continuing the conversation, and, like, also, my, my biggest problem is, I don't, I feel like I'm not doing wrong here, like, I'm not asking the world of people, I'm asking for a little bit of, of things, you know, coming back my way, and, you know, I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking the right questions, I'm, I'm understanding, you know, the needs that people have, you know, like, what they, you know, what they're looking for, you know, I'm trying to, like, demonstrate that I, I can do things that, that they like, or whatever, but, I mean, that's the thing, is it's not, that easy, like, they just don't want to, uh, they, they don't answer, they don't, they don't do anything, if they even answer, they just say, just say the answer, no question back, no furthering of the conversation, it's like, dead ending, every fucking time, you know, it's like, they'll answer it, I'll say another question, they'll answer it, I'll say another question, and it's like, I don't, and, like, what's worse is, like, the people that, like, don't answer in a, like, in, in a way, like, how do I want to put this? People don't answer and elaborate on things. Like, they just kind of, like, leave it at that, you know? Like, they'll just say, like, their one or two word answer, and they're done, you know? Like, that's all they got. I mean... It's too much for like I don't I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm hoping at some point someone will like tell me because like I you know people ask me about like oh you know are you dating anybody or you you know doing this doing that and I'll say no I'm not dating anybody and they'll ask me you know what's how's it going what's going on with it and I'll explain this to them and they they don't really have an answer for me and I don't know what if it's that they're friends and family. And they don't have the heart to tell me, like, Brandon, you're an undateable piece of shit. You need to give up on this and just accept the lonely life and, like, move the fuck on. Uh, I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I wish I did. It would be super terrific if, if I had some idea so I could actually, like, work on it. But, like, so long as I don't know what I'm doing wrong, I'll never have any fucking idea. Like, I'm just never going to get there. And I mean, that's, that's where I stand with it. Like, I, I just, I have a really hard time. But, um, something else I wanted to talk about before I get into the movie is, uh, so Taylor Swift, who is one of my all-time favorite people, um, just, you know, I'm just a huge fan of Taylor Swift, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. I really enjoy Taylor Swift. Um, she has been... For, I, I guess, for her own personal reasons, she has been, like, re-recording her albums. Like, she for, she started off recording her Fearless album again. And, like, it, it's good. Like, I mean, I like them. Especially, like, 
I like listening to like ones like Fearless where like I don't really know that album very well. But like when she moves on to like she's done Red and Red was a solid album by her and she doesn't, you know, it's like I liked that album the way it was, the way it was recorded, you know, and then she comes in and re-records it, puts in longer songs and things like that. And I mean, I get like, it basically makes more sense where if you're going to add to the songs, you can't just go back and like tack on those additional songs. But, uh, so she's just basically like re-recording these albums to like, and they're, and she's calling them Taylor's version and they're good. It's just like, I, I'm concerned, like the way, the direction she's headed with them. Like, I really want them to be, um, you know, good and I and they have been so far luckily but like I just there's part of me that's like she's gonna release 1989 which is like one of my all-time favorite albums and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to listen to all of it because like what I've heard of it so far it's like it's it's too it's too similar in content and it's too too different in the way it's recorded that I don't, like, I want to, like, because, like, that's the big thing is, like, so, like, I listen to a lot of different music from different eras, and the, like, a lot of the bands from the 60s that I like, they will have, like, you know, have had lineup changes over the, the course of the decades since the 60s, and when, and, like, they'll, either that or they'll, like, change labels or whatever, and they'll, they'll want to re-record their work and you'll find it and it'll say re-recorded after it. And like, you just know like, ugh, it's not going to be the same. Like, it's just, it's not even like it's worse, like necessarily. It's just that you're used to something and then you're getting something else. And it's just, it's not as good. You know, it doesn't feel as good. Um, so, I mean, like I'm excited for the 1989 I'm hoping to hear some new stuff and like, hopefully I, you know, it's worth, you know, what it ends up being. Uh, Okay. So one thing I do want to mention because, you know, I've talked about, you know, a little bit of my online dating and my, my Taylor Swift love. Um, The one thing I do want to mention is although this episode is, you know, like the last episode was Mission Impossible one and two this episode is the Dark Knight trilogy. I promise you going forward, like after this episode, it will not be all series of movies or, you know, like film franchises, you know, like I'm not going to make the next episode all about James Bond, even though I do want to go there eventually. But like, I, I'm really, I'm only doing it because I'm, you know, like, Mission Impossible, it just stood out because I had, like, just recently watched Mission Impossible 2, and, like, I really wanted to do an episode on it. And then, like, on, you know, as far as, like, the Dark Knight trilogy, it's, like, I, I've already, like, I talked about the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson I, in an article, and I went, you know, not super in-depth with it, but I, I talked about it at some length. And then... I did a super long article on the 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton, and I talked about everything I loved about that movie. I mean, it's a movie I watch like once a month, let's be honest. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, so let me just dive right in to the whole Dark Knight trilogy, okay? So how do I... How do I set the stage here? So you've got a trilogy. All three movies are directed by Christopher Nolan and they star Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Uh, they have Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth. And, you know, these guys are in all three movies no matter what. And then, you know, you've got um, you've got Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox and Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon. And let me just be clear. All of these actors 
have done a fucking... They did an amazing job with this trilogy. Like, they really did. They delivered on their roles. They they sold it, you know. It was just... It was spectacular. Like, it, I mean, for better or for worse, they were all, you know, amazing. Um, and then, like, another, another constant in these three movies is Hans Zimmer did the score and Hans Zimmer is amazing like he's just he's got such an interesting way it's it like honestly it's not on the level to me of like John Williams and Star Wars but like it's on a level of like if this movie didn't have Hans Zimmer's score in it it would be nowhere near the same feel at all you know it would just not it wouldn't feel the same. It would just be different, you know? And, and I mean, I love it. I love the sound of it, you know, like, and I'll, I'll probably mention it a couple of times here and there, but like, I just want to get that out of the way that like the Hans Zimmer scoring is like the, you know, one of the, the many pieces that, you know, are interwoven throughout this trilogy. Um, so we get to, Batman Begins, all right. This one came out in or yeah, in June of 2005, June 15th, 2005. And uh so this this was a reboot, you know, basically like without getting into it too much. There were you know, there were the four Batman movies, you know, the 1989 one, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin. Now, Batman and Robin was so performed so poorly both with the critics and with the box office that it killed the franchise for until this movie came out. I mean, this movie effectively rebooted the Batman franchise and gave it another shot, you know, like, and it, it brought something, it brought a level of realism that, you know, you just weren't seeing in superhero movies at all, you know, like, I mean, obviously, you can't be that realistic in a superhero movie if they're an actual superhero that's, like, non-existent. Like, it would be impossible for them to exist right now. But, like, you know, like, Iron Man is a super realistic movie, but it's, you know, it's got Iron Man in it. And there's there's no suit that can make a man fly like that. Like, at least, not that I'm aware of, or at least there there hasn't always been. And so, like... You know, they, they take some realism in that movie, and that's like three years after this one. So, uh, so we get into, you know, the realism. We get into the origin, which they touched on the origin in the four original movies, but they, they didn't ever really flesh it out. Like, they didn't spell out what was going on with it. And so, like, you get that, you know, you get these flashbacks of, like, Bruce Wayne... As a child, you know, like, what happens with his parents, what what all they do, you know. The, and the Waynes are so different, like, I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, you, get, you only get a few scenes with the Waynes, like Thomas and Martha, and Martha says nothing. And, and like, Thomas, he's, he's good, you know, and, like, obviously, like, Bruce just adores him and just thinks he's the best. And... You know, it's like, it's, it's so well set up that it's like, you know, this, the city has fallen on hard times and, you know, these, these, um, affluent people have set it up to, you know, like they're trying to make a difference and they're trying to improve things and they, they just don't like, you know, it's just the the tragic irony of it all that they're like the ones that are trying to help and they end up being the ones that fall victim to what the city has become. And so like Bruce grows up, obviously, you know, he, he wants to originally, like he wants to, um, you know, he goes to college, you know, and he comes back for the hearing about like the, you know, the man who, who shot his parents and, you know, like, he has gone out on his own and like he meets uh Liam Neeson's character and you know Liam Neeson's character is 
Um, you know, he's he's so, like, honestly, I like him a lot. Like, I think he's really good. He's not, so, like, I, I gotta say, I'm gonna, like, I just want to say it right now. I'm gonna spoil these movies because I can't, I can't talk about them how I want to talk about them without, like, giving in things. And, I mean, there's giving it, or without giving a lot away. And so, you know, Liam Neeson is, you know, he starts off and he, he has this ruse where he's, you know, pretending to be this man named Ducard. And, you know, it turns out that he's actually this, this Ra's al Ghul person that is the head of this League of, um, League of Shadows, I think it is. I think actually in the comics, it's actually like League of Assassins or something, but they called it the League of Shadows for some reason. And so like, uh, Liam Neeson's big thing, his character, I should say, is he wants to like, basically their, their group has like, you know, he's claiming that they've like caused the fall of, you know, multiple different civilizations that have grown too crazy and, you know, had to be put down, basically, and, like, you know, so he targets Gotham next, and, um, when, when it becomes clear to Bruce what he's doing, you know, because this guy's been training him this whole time, and, you know, he, Bruce has learned a lot from him, and, like, Liam Neeson, like, tells him, he, like, he lets the cat out of the bag that, like, he's leading, you know, he wants Bruce to lead these men into Gotham, to, you know, take down the city, you know, and, like, and Bruce is, like, what, what are you fucking talking about, and, like, you know, he, so he goes, and he's, he's got all of this, um, so, Liam Neeson, or Ra's al Ghul, I should say, I'll just refer to him by his character's name, um, he, you know, Bruce, like, kind of, like, burns his house down and, like, leaves him. But, like, he he saves his life, but he he leaves him, he leaves him there, you know? Like, he doesn't, like, see to it that he's taken care of or anything. And so he goes back and, like, you know, Alfred's there and, you know, and, like, I love, I love Michael Caine. Alfred was a perfect role for him. Like it was, it's so great at at his age. Like it was just wonderful. I can't stress enough how much I love Michael Caine in this, in this series of movies. Um, so Michael Caine comes and gets him, explains what's been going on. Like, you know, Wayne enterprises, you know, they're going public and they're going to, um, you know, make all these changes to, you know, the way the company is run and, you know, uh, he finds out that they had him, they had Bruce Wayne declared dead because he's been gone for over seven years. And he, you know, he luckily left everything to Alfred. And, like, so he's just, you know, he's like, la, 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 la. And, you know, like, so so Alfred's, like, all except, you know, like, being all smug because he owns all of this shit, you know. And, I mean, obviously he doesn't really, but, like, he's... Yeah, you can borrow the rose if you like. You know, it's like, yeah, that's that's fucking great. Like, only Michael Caine can do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not the same with, you know, the the Alfred of the, the four Batman movies from the 80s and 90s. Like, he, he was, I like Michael Goff, but he's just not the same. He's not, he doesn't have that charisma on screen. And so anyway... You know, Bruce comes back and he, he kind of like, you know, he wants to be, he's telling Alfred he wants to be this, that he wants to become a symbol and he wants to strike terror. You know, he wants to, um, you know, put fear into those who prey on the fearful and, you know, things like that. And, uh, he just, you know, he's, he's kind of piecing together what's going to be Batman and like him and Alfred like work on, you know, assembling the suit and what they need to do. They need to, you know, order all of these parts and they have to have so many thousand of them to make, make it not suspicious. And then, you know, Bruce meets 
this Lucius Fox guy who is played by Morgan Freeman, the one and only, and who is also wonderful. God damn it. So fucking good. Um, you know, you've got Morgan Freeman, and he he is in what they call Applied Sciences, which is like a division of like tech development in Wayne Enterprises. And it's like he just goes in and, you know, talks about all of this, you know, all this different stuff. You know, he's he's got this this thing called the Tumblr and it's, you know, it's what ends up being the Batmobile. It's like a bridging vehicle. And, you know, he's got this this memory cloth that like that becomes Batman's cape. And, you know, he, he finds this suit that ends up being like the the base of Batman's suit and like, you know, it's like this really extensive body armor, you know, that was like too expensive to sell to the military. And so he, uh, you know, he basically suits him up. Like he, you know, Bruce kind of like plays it close to the chest and, you know, doesn't really, explain what he's doing obviously because he doesn't know Lucius very well and so obviously like Lucius like at you know at a certain point in the movie he knows that it's him because you know who else could this guy be that's you know on the news in this Batmobile or whatever you know this Tumblr and so along the way I forgot to mention uh, there is um Bruce's childhood friend, Rachel Dawes, she is, uh, she is played by Katie Holmes, and, you know, she, you know, I'm not, like, a huge Katie Holmes fan, but, like, she's great, she's pretty, you know what I mean, she's, she's a good-looking actress, you know, and she, she did an admirable job in this role, you know, and so, She's an assistant district attorney and she is trying to, you know, do what she can to fix Gotham legally, you know, and like not let, you know, all of these organized crime bosses lord over the town, you know, and all that shit. And so she's kind of an idealist and like she cross, you know, she crosses paths with, Bruce and Bruce is putting on this this facade of like I'm going to be the guy that is um how do I put this I'm going to he's like I'm going to be the guy that's like the billionaire playboy I you know I'm picking up you know I'm bringing multiple women with me when I go out and I'm going to you know do all of this outrageous stuff like I'm going to buy things that aren't for sale and I'm just going to do whatever I want to just to let people know that I couldn't possibly be this Batman guy. And, you know, she runs into him while he's doing this one night and, like, is... You can just tell how disappointed she is in him, you know? Because, like, there was, like, a scene earlier in the movie where she she talks to him about, you know... Uh, like he he basically lets it slip that he was going to like he planned to shoot the the guy Joe Chill that killed his parents um like uh, when he got out of the the trial and you know some somebody from you know um organized crime kills him first so Bruce isn't able to do that and so you know she's really you know beside herself with with uh, disappointment in him. And then, you know, she's disappointed again because, you know, she'd heard that he was back in town after being declared dead. And, you know, she's she's disappointed to see that this billionaire playboy is who he wants to be. And, you know, he, like, tries to explain to her that it's not really... It's not really him, you know? it's It's not really what it's all about, you know, like, what he's all about, and she, you know, she says this line that always, you know, is a great line, it's, it's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines you, and so she just, you know, sticks with that, and, like, that, that resonates with him, and so, you know, Bruce starts to kind of, 
or I should say Batman starts making waves on uh, there. So there's a scene when like, it's not the first, well, the first time you see him as Batman, he's like disrupting at the shipping yards. He's disrupting the, the last shipments of these drugs that are coming in and you don't really know what's going on, but he like kind of shows off his like, you know, creation of like fear in an environment before um, fighting somebody. And like, you know, he gets the the crime boss, Carmine Falcone, who is played by uh, Tom Wilkinson. And it's just amazing. Like he just, oh man. And so he, so he get he gets him, uh, he gets him scared. He's like, you know, the, the crime boss Falcone is locked away and blah, blah, blah. And so he goes and he, you know, okay, so there's also this character named Dr. Jonathan Crane who is, like, in cahoots with um, what what turns out to be, and, like, you don't know it, but, like, it turns out to be Ra's al Ghul's organization. And, like, you know, he's, he's using, Crane is using Falcone as, like, the middleman, or, you know, like, the, the low-level enforcer to, like, get these drugs in that need to be brought in, and you don't know why. So they're, they're basically, like, developing this plot to, like, poison the water supply, and the only reason people haven't felt the effects of it is because, like, it has to be inhaled through the lungs, and it's just amazing. Like, he, it, it's such a cool idea because, like, okay, so that's, like, the thing is, like, Wayne Enterprises has this microwave emitter stolen and it's this device, this giant device that like is used to vaporize an enemy's water supply in desert warfare. And they're going to use this, you know, they're going to take, you know, there's, there's the monorail that the Wayne family built and they're going to take this microwave emitter thing that they stole and use it to run along the pipelines of water and just create chaos throughout Gotham. And so, you know, like, Ra's al Ghul comes back, you know, and he he comes at, um, you know, at, at this birthday party for Bruce. And, you know, basically, like, uh, I mean, there's a scene where where he's introduced to a person and they call him Ra's al Ghul and he's like, you're not Ra's al Ghul. I watched him die. And it like, it doesn't sound anything like, like it's just ridiculous. Um, so, (laughs) but anyway, like back to what I was talking about. So, um, you know, you got, you got this big scene with the, the tumbler, you know, there's a, a big, a big thing with like these bats coming into town, you know, with this, this, um, this transmitter that Batman has and like, you know, he calls him backup and it's just so fucking awesome. Like he, he, it, it helps him to escape and then he, you know, leads them on a chase across town in this tumbler and he's got to get Katie Holmes or, you know, Rachel Dawes to, um, to safety and, you know, cause she's been exposed to this drug and, you know, like Bruce had been exposed to the drug, uh, before and he, you know, it, he had been exposed to it when he was at the League of Shadows and he was exposed to it by the Scarecrow who is Crane's alter ego and the Scarecrow, you know, has like weaponized it. And is using it, like, for that. And, you know, so Bruce is, like, he's already got, like, the antidote for it. And, like, they're talking about, like, you know, what they can do to produce more of it because they know this plot's coming, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to talk about the entire plot of all these movies, but I just, I I start rolling and I just can't stop. Um, So one thing I want to talk about is the voice okay so batman's voice christian bale made some choices with the batman voice 
and they get like progressively more outrageous i'll say like i love it but like at the same time i cannot i can accept that it's ridiculous as well so like and this one you know the like the scene i can think of best i'm going to try and emulate these voices and i i know it's going to sound stupid but i'm going to do it anyway so he's you know he's there like giving in Batman's there giving information to Rachel Dawes and she's like who are you and he's like someone like you someone who rattled the cages and like it's just it's raspy it's low and it doesn't sound bad you know it, it sounds a bit much like he could have just done what Michael Keaton did and like speak in a lower register and it wouldn't be obvious that he was Bruce Wayne but like he does, you know, he does this voice, and so that's what he sticks with. And I'll, I'll talk about the voice in the next movies. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure I touched on that. Um, and so, so this movie, I mean, like it's, it's very satisfying. At you know, at the end, you know, you get this great moment of like, you know, like they he saves the city, obviously, and like he goes through, and it's like he at the end of the movie like the very end he is on the rooftop with gordon and he you know there's a a bat signal now on the roof of police headquarters and he says to you know he like he says nice and like taps it and then like they they like give him like commissioner gordon or i should say lieutenant gordon gives him a a playing card like a joker playing card and it sets up the next movie and he you know he, he says i'll look into it and like <laughs> so it's like he my favorite part is like it honestly gives me chills and i know it's just because i fucking love batman but leave me the fuck alone on this one um he says you know i never said i never said thank you that's what gordon says to batman and batman replies back with and you'll never have to. And it's like, oh God, that is what Batman is all the fucking about, man. Like he is the guy that's just doing it and he doesn't want the thanks. He's doing it to prevent another little boy from losing his parents, you know, basically like just that. Okay, so as we, you know, we close out this movie, I want to talk about, okay, the budget was $150 million, which is... It's a pretty hefty budget. It's not, you know, Avatar level for the time, but it's it's pretty high. And so the worldwide gross of the movie was 373.7 million, which is pretty good, but like not not as good as you want it to be, you know, like you, you want it to be higher than that because like that's that's just barely like probably after like marketing and everything like that's just barely over you know you're, you're just barely getting half of your money you know like you're not half your money you're just you're just barely getting uh double the revenue back and so uh this is rated 8.2 out of 10 on imdb um Rotten Tomatoes, 84% for the critics and 94% for the audience. Now, they just absolutely fucking, you know, like, I'm surprised the critics didn't like it more. Like, it seems like such a critically acclaimable movie, if that's a word. I don't know. But, I mean, I just love, honestly, Batman Begins for me is five. Five out of five, no questions asked. I don't give a shit, fuck you. Um, so that takes us to our next movie because I'm I'm taking way longer to do this than I I planned to. So, you know, that's the way it is. The, so we've got The Dark Knight. So the follow-up movie to this is released on July 18th, 2008. So Batman Begins, I saw three... Er, Twice in theaters, okay? I saw it once on, like, the regular screen and then once in IMAX. And I... And then, like, with The Dark Knight, I saw it 
once on the Thursday night of opening night, and then and that was in regular screen, and then like the next day I went with my friend Cody and saw it in IMAX, and then eventually my mother who didn't believe me until someone at work told her that the Dark Knight was good, wanted to go see it with me. And so we did. And so anyway, so the biggest story of this entire movie has to be Heath Ledger. Not only his performance, but his tragic demise. Uh, you know, basically he, he got consumed by the role of the Joker and he, you know, it got the best of him. It's, I mean, it's very unfortunate. Uh, so luckily, this movie will be the one that I'll, I'll have the easiest time glossing over the plot because there's way too much plot to talk about right now. But, uh, so Heath Ledger's performance is amazing. You know, he's got this very strange demeanor and way of speaking, and it's just, it's odd, you know? It's just, it's creepy, you know? It's, it's just bizarre, and then you've got Aaron Eckhart, who plays Harvey Dent and subsequently Two-Face in this movie. And he is very good in this. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that everybody in this movie has to be overshadowed by Heath Ledger's performance. You know, like, doesn't even fucking matter how good anybody does. If, if, you're, not, if you're not Heath Ledger in this movie, you're, you're second fiddle no matter what. And, um... <laughs> So, Katie Holmes chose not to come back for this movie. She she wouldn't come back and reprise her role of... Is it reprise or reprise? I don't know. Reprise is what I'm saying, because that's what it looks like it is. Uh, she didn't want to reprise her role as Rachel Dawes, and she opted to make a movie with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah called Mad Money about, like, a bank robbery or some fucking thing like that. And, like, can you imagine how fucking dumb she must have felt when she saw what, like, just the hype of this movie, like, how much it was going to mean? And so, you know, like, it's tragic she didn't come back, but she was replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I, I typically like. You know, I really like Maggie Gyllenhaal. I... She's not as good looking as Katie Holmes, in my opinion, and I know I'm being shallow, I'm sorry, but I have to mention it. Um, but, like, Maggie Gyllenhaal, the, the thing about her in this movie is, like, I can't explain it, but she's got this, especially in the early scenes, she's got this way of talking, like, she's almost trying to be seductive. And usually that's not a thing she does. So I don't know if it was like a direction thing or what. But like, I mean, this this movie, like, there is basically like a heartbeat throughout this entire movie thanks to Hans Zimmer. Like, it is just constant. Like, it's just da-da-da-da. You know, like, just, it's, oh man. Like, they, he does such an amazing job. And like, that's the kind of thing. Like, Hans Zimmer, his score is what is going to... St- help this movie and this whole series of movies stand apart from, like, ones like Batman 1989. I love Batman 1989, but, like, they put a bunch of fucking Prince songs in the soundtrack, and when you watch that movie, it feels dated. And so, you know, I I, I was going to try and do something where I just, you know, it's just the plot is so ridiculous. Like, it's so, there's so much plot in this movie There are so many things to think about. You know, there's just, I can't even recite it all. Like it's, it's that, that much, but it's, it's definitely compelling throughout. You're, you're never bored in this movie and it's just, it's fucking awesome. And one of my favorite scenes though, I have to mention is like, so you've got the Tumblr from the, you know, from Batman Begins, it, you know, returns in this movie and so does actually for a minute, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, but, like, Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane, is played by Killian Murphy, who is really good as well. And he actually ends up appearing in all three of these movies. Spoilers, Scarecrow does not die in these movies. Anyway, uh, 
So there's a scene with the Batmobile where it crashes or something. I can't remember exactly how it breaks down, but like essentially like Bruce or Batman activates the the escape pod thing and like basically like it makes a bat cycle, a bat pod motorcycle out of like the wheel the of two of the wheels of the Batmobile. It's fucking amazing. Like it's so great. And like so all of these all of these things they're doing in this movie, there's so much practical stuff, you know, like not like I don't know, I couldn't even honestly tell you what they used CGI on for the most part. Like it it's difficult to say. But like my favorite thing is like so you got Alfred, you got Lucius, you know you know, Alfred is like, you hammered him, sir. And in their desperation, they turned to a man that they didn't fully understand. And I mean, like, that's fucking great. I just fucking love it. And like, the voice here, that's something I have to mention. Because I'm going to do it with every movie. Is the voice gets dialed up quite a bit for Batman. He, you know, like, everything... Everything is like this, you know, it's like, and he doesn't, it's like, where were the other drugs going? You know, it's like, that's Batman Begins, but like, it's, it's that level every time he says anything in this movie. And so the ending of this movie, you know, like a lot of trilogies, like most popularly, I would say Empire Strikes Back stands out as like, you know, kind of like a a downer ending almost like they don't end up winning really in the end. I mean, they do, but they don't. And so like Bruce is, you know, Batman's going on the run. I keep calling him Bruce. Like he and I are like besties or something. Anyway, uh, you know, Bruce is, is on the run and then, you know, like they've, they've got to chase him and they, they're doing it because they know he can take it. And like, that's what they're, that's what they're saying, you know, and like they, he caught the Joker, he, you know, uh, Two-Face died, you know, all this shit, and like they're basically going to make up a story about what happened, which, I mean, it's debatable about what they could have done in this situation. They probably didn't have to do what they did, but they did anyway, and so I, I really enjoy that, and then like I just... Man, I just, so good, like, honestly. So, the budget of this movie was $185 million, and there, like I said, there are a lot of practical effects, which I don't, I, I assume practical is still cheaper than CGI, but CGI has to be creeping down. Like, it's probably getting more affordable because, like, you know, these Star Wars TV shows and stuff are, like, all using CGI and they're all, you know, really well done and stuff. Uh, so the gross of this movie, $1.006 billion, billion with a B, dollars. And the rating on IMDb, it is, I believe, top five all-time IMDb 9.0 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic rating was 94%, and the audience rating was also 94%, which is nice. Um, I, I, I mean, I have to say, 5 out of 5, no question. The question would be, really, do I like... Every time I watch Batman Begins... I think maybe I like Batman Begins a little better than this movie, but it's not by much if it is. And and I just love it. Like, it's so great. And so, that carries us on to The Dark Knight Rises, okay? So, this came out in July, um, July 16th, specifically, of 2012. Um, it features some newcomers. It's got, uh, we've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays... Um, John Blake, and we've got Anne Hathaway, who plays Selena Kyle, not Catwoman. Catwoman is never said explicitly in this movie. 
Um, we got Tom Hardy who plays Bane. Um, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard, I think is how it's pronounced, who plays Miranda Tate slash Gasp. Spoiler alert, Talia Al Ghul. Um, and then you've got Ben Mendelsohn who plays John Daggett, who is, you know, just like, you know, another bad guy type, you know, he's just a crime boss type. And it's funny that like, there's a character that I remember from Batman, the animated series that is named Roland Daggett. And like, if they cast Ben Mendelsohn to play Roland Daggett, it would, it would not have been doing a service to that character because like, Ben Mendelsohn is not the type to, like, the the guy we're talking about, like, he would have literally been better played by, like, James Gandolfini or something, you know? Like, he's he was that kind of gruff kind of guy. Um, so, the plot of this movie, I would say, is, it's lacking. I mean, it is not it's not as good as the first two movies. It doesn't deliver on a lot of what we would like to see in a movie like this. So, uh, you know, it's, it's about like Bruce Wayne has been, you know, in hiding for several years. You know, I can't remember if it's like seven, eight years, something like that. And, you know, so obviously Batman, you know, that he hasn't been doing anything, and, you know, everything is just kind of like, you know, peacetime type things. And you find out that this Bane character is lurking in the shadows and like building an army, basically. And Bane is played by Tom Hardy, which is, he's magnificent. Um, his voice is certainly interesting. Um, I don't know if I could do a Bane voice very well. Perhaps she's wondering why someone would shoot a man before... Throwing him out of a plane. I don't, see, that that was fucking horrible. I, I should have covered my mouth and all sorts of stuff. But um, Tom Hardy is awesome. Uh, you know, Anne Hathaway plays, you know, the Selena Kyle, this cat burglar. And she just likes to steal stuff, basically. And she's kind of... Uh, I, I, You know, I was never much of an Anne Hathaway fan, like either as an actress or like looks wise before this movie but like this movie like she's got some fucking charisma and she has a level of confidence that's like super attractively intimidating and like I just love it like I, I this made me like an Anna Hathaway fan and so I'm I'm happy to be that um so you know basically like You've got her, and she's kind of, like, playing into it a little bit, you know, with, like, she gets Bruce's fingerprints from his safe, and she's you know, sells them to one of John Daggett's men, and then, you know, she kind of gets caught, you know, caught up in the web, and, like, um, John Blake is investigating what's going on and he doesn't believe you know like he basically it's just i've made fun of it before but like so john daggett does not believe the story which is like from the end of the dark knight they basically blame all of these murders on batman for you know like what the joker did and what uh or specifically what two-face did and he just like, John Blake doesn't believe it. And, like, he knows... And the way he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman... Is, like... Bruce came to visit at... Like, a group home or an orphanage or whatever you want to call it. And, like... John Blake claims that the reason that he knew who he was... Was because of the look on his face... The, the feeling of something about when you're angry and your bones and stuff like... But, like, it's like, dude, he's a fucking billionaire. He's got the right build, the right race, the right, you know, overall everything. He is 
filthy fucking rich enough to afford to do all this stuff. He doesn't have, like, a real day job, you know? And, like, John Blake just just knows because of this look on his face this one time. He just knew. And it's like, okay, John, that's great. And so, like, that's the kind of thing, like, it's one of those things you're like, all right, I guess. I mean, you know, so it's like, so Bane takes over, like, he, he goes to this, there's this pretty cool scene at this uh, football game, you know, it's a big stadium full of people, and, like, he brings out this this bomb, I won't get into where the bomb came from, but, like, suffice it to say, he brings out the bomb, and the only man in the world who can defuse the bomb, and... Uh, are the only man in the world who can, um, who can turn, you know, like, to turn it on, basically, and he's also the only man that can defuse it, and then, like, once he turns it on, Bane shoots him dead, and so, like, you know, Bruce has already made, you know, he's, he's already decided he's gonna be Batman again, so, like, so Batman is out, you know, like, there was a scene where they, like, robbed the uh, stock exchange or whatever, you know, and, like, they use Bruce Wayne's name to do a bunch of stuff, and, like, it's all great, you know? I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty intense couple of scenes, and, yeah, I mean, but it, it's good, you know, like, so Bane basically keeps the city on lockdown. You know, Gotham City is on lockdown for... A large portion of this movie and like uh selena kyle tricks batman into um going down to where bane ultimately ends up being and bane ends up um breaking batman's back and taking him to this prison out in the middle of nowhere and you know nobody can escape from it or whatever blah 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 and then, you know, it's like, he just, um, like, Bruce seems like he's, um, how do I put this? I mean, like, he's he's trying to get better in the prison, you know, and they're, like, putting his disc back into place in his back. And, like, it's just super interesting, like, because, like, he has to learn to climb these walls of this, this pit prison and, like, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, like, the other thing is, is Bruce, you know, like, Bruce talks to Lucius, and Lucius, played by Morgan Freeman, amazing as always, um, he was in the previous movie, by the way, but, like, you know, anyway, so, you know, he talks to Lucius, Lucius gives him this thing that he calls the bat, and it is... Like, this giant aircraft, like, it's it's weird looking. Like, it looks unlike anything you've ever seen in the air. Like, it's just so bizarre, you know? And, like, so that's pretty cool. That makes a couple of appearances and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing right now, which is, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on the plot too much, but like, you know, so there's, there's a scene that Alfred talks about because there's a lot of friction with Alfred and Alfred's really disappointed with Bruce because he, he won't give up the Batman at all. And he just, he feels like he's, he's not going to stop until it kills him. And he talks about, you know, Alfred talks about while he was, while Bruce is away in the course of the Batman Begins movie, um, you know, the part I talked about where he was declared dead, you know, Alfred says that every day or every summer or something, he would, you know, go out to Italy or something. And he explained, you know, there's this cafe down by the river. And every time he went there, he hoped he would see Bruce Wayne there and like just living his best life, you know, moving on from all the stuff, you know, just like being happy, you know, maybe, you know, a wife and a couple of kids, whatever. And it, and they would just, they wouldn't say anything to each other. 
but they would look at each other and like know that it was going to be, you know, that they were, they were good. Right. And so he does that. Like he tells that story and you see that happen. And then it's like this movie builds up to where it's like, oh no, this bat aircraft thing doesn't have autopilot, you know? And so he takes it and he has to take this bomb he has to go out over the bay and fucking get rid of the bomb. And so he's effectively, like, literally dying for it. But there's a scene, you know, where he has, like, the final showdown with Bane. And he's like, where's the trigger? Like, sorry, that was probably a little loud in the old microphone, but I had to do it. Um, so he, he talked about it. You know, he talks like that, and, like, he, um, but, like, you know, he's, he's going, he's, he's gonna sacrifice himself, blah, 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 he goes out, you know, the bomb explodes, everybody's like, oh, fuck, you know, he really did it, and then, like, there's this little fucking throwaway scene, like, a couple minutes later, after Alfred cries at his fucking funeral and shit, and, like, he... Like, Lucius finds out that Bruce had, like, fixed the autopilot on the bat. And so then, like, the final scene you see is, like, you know, it's both Bruce and Selena at that cafe. And Alfred is going to that cafe. And, like, he sees him across the way. And then he goes... Um, and then it shows, like, John Blake, who, by the way, they, like, decide to make it a little thing that he's actually named Robin. Like, his given name is Robin. And it, it I have a reaction to it every time. I wish I could say it was a good reaction, but it, it kind of makes me cringe a little bit. And so... Like, John Blake's basically going to take over as Batman at the end of this movie, you know? Like, so you just kind of see, like, you don't ever see him as Batman, but he's, like, getting into the Batcave for the first time and stuff. And, you know, they're kind of like, all right, that's what's going to happen. And so they just, like, close on that. Uh, so this movie uh, had a budget of $230 million, So it was, like what, 50 million more than The Dark Knight. And it had a worldwide gross of 1.081 billion. And then um, on IMDb, it has an 8.4 out of 10, which is pretty solid. I think it might be a little overrated by that, but it's still pretty decent. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, 87% for critics, 90% for audiences. Which, I I guess that makes sense, but, like, I don't know. I mean, like, this is definitely the weakest film in the trilogy, without question. Um, it's It's got, like, so, this is how I'd put it. So, overall, like, the trilogy, it's like, the first movie is, like, it's it's hopeful. Like, even though, like, it's, you know, terrifying what's going on in the plot, like, it ends on a hopeful note where it's like, okay, we're fucking, we're going to do this. You know what I mean? And then like you move on to the dark night and it's like, it's super intense the whole time. It's got a couple of sad moments and stuff, but like for the most part, it's just super serious. And then the dark night rises. You've just got this like lingering, doom and gloom feeling like it is oh man it is unpleasant like I like it I like the movie and I think it it needs to be that but like man is it fucking a downer about stuff you know like it's just and like you know you go from a movie that has like a big character like the Joker and a big character like Two-Face and then you get like Bane who you know, talks a lot, but, like, it's, he's not saying a ton, you know, like, he, he's not saying too much, and, like, he's got, you know, the, 
the mask over his face so it kind of conceals what he looks like. Um, you know, I still have a giant man crush on Tom Hardy. No, no questions asked. Um, and then, you know, like Anne Hathaway doesn't really have much of a part as a villain until she's already, like, helping, you know, with Bruce and, and Batman. Um, I mean, I would say overall, The Dark Knight Rises, it's, God, I guess I, I'll, I'll say a four, a four out of five stars. I mean, boy, that was really tough to say out loud, because I, I was thinking, I went into this thinking 4.5, but, like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, this movie had a lot of stuff that they could have fixed that they just needed to identify was, like, not ideal, and they could have just fixed it. Um, you know, w one thing I would have liked to have seen go different is obviously, like, I would have loved to have kept Katie Holmes. As much as I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think Katie Holmes was a better fit for the role, and she did a better job as Rachel Dawes. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal overall a better actress than Katie Holmes for sure but um, and so with Christopher Nolan you know like this, this his big thing was like you know being grounded in reality and like being realistic and stuff and like he doesn't he doesn't do like he, he tried to you know he produced the movie Man of Steel which was directed by Zack Snyder and, like, I thought when I saw that movie, I, when I saw, like, the previews for that movie, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be fucking sweet. Uh, you know, a Dark Knight trilogy, but with Superman. Like, awesome. Because Christopher Nolan's doing it, so it's got to be it. And then, like, I didn't realize at the time, okay, he's just a producer. That means dick to, you know, the fact that Zack Snyder, who has a bit of a reputation for filmmaking style you know but whatever so yeah that's where i'll leave you i mean this one's a little bit long um uh, sorry about that but like obviously it's something i'm very excited about talking about so yeah um i would say you know if you're one of the three people in the world who hasn't seen the dark knight trilogy then i i'd go out and watch it I gotta go back. The Dark Knight Rises, 4.5. Okay, because it... I do find it a little satisfying. So, 4.5 out of 5 stars. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Well, I guess we'll uh, end on that note. And I would like to thank everybody for tuning in. And enjoy this theme music. Brandon at Random Reviews is performed, written, directed, produced, and edited by Brandon Griffiths. Theme music is performed by Augusto Diniz from Fiverr. 